people forget that every opportunity comes from a person. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up there, Traffic Jam listeners? You're tuned into episode 74 of the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic to your website and build a profitable audience online. I'm your host, James Reynolds, as always. And before we get stuck into today's interview section, I want to say a couple of shouts out to some awesome listeners who've left Stitcher reviews for Traffic Jam this week. The first goes out to Michelle from Seattle, who says, Hello, James. I appreciate Appreciated your Jake Burkett interview. Very well done. Great information. And the second to Larry Fornillier. And he says, awesome content. I've only recently started listening to Traffic Jam with James Reynolds. And I must say it's one of the better SEO social media related podcasts out there. The content is fresh and James finds some of the best guests who are top in their respective fields. Two thumbs up. So thank you to you guys, to you, the listener. Well, I'd absolutely appreciate your reviews and ratings on iTunes or Stitcher. And to find both of those places, head on over to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes for iTunes and trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher for Stitcher. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So on to this episode, we're joined today by Laura Roder from lkrsocialmedia.com and meetedgar.com, who's a very savvy social media consultant and software as a service business owner who was first referred to me by the ever so awesome Dan Norris. Now, Laura's going to be talking to us today about the pros and cons of scheduling your social media updates, as well as the lessons that she's learned marketing her very successful software as a service business called Edgar, which ironically is a social media scheduling tool. So we're going to dive into a bunch of lessons today. Uh, Laura's a fantastic guest and I know you're going to love this show. So without any further delay, let's jump into episode 74 of Traffic Jam with Laura Roder. So hey there listeners, welcome back to episode 74 of Traffic Jam and today we're joined by Laura Roder. Laura, how are you doing? I'm excellent. How are you, James? I'm fantastic. I um, want to start with a slightly tough question perhaps for you to answer and that's relating back to a quote that Scott Stratton said on the show way back on episode number four and he said, don't schedule tweets. What's so important it has to go out but not important enough for you to be there when it does. So of course, as someone who's got a social media scheduling tool, what's your answer to that? I've, I've had an ongoing battle with Scott Stratton. Have <laughs> um, you? Yes. I didn't even know that. So, how, so there you go. <laughs> yes, because um, he's he's actually someone that I admire a lot in the social media space. But we have a very fundamental disagreement about scheduling because he's held his stance for years. I actually wasn't sure if he was if he was still uh, going on the same track, but I hugely disagree with that. Uh, you know, I think there's a big difference in using social media for fun and using social media to market a business. And 
a lot of people start out on Twitter and on Facebook kind of using it for fun, using it to chat with friends, and then they transition over using it to promote their business. And when you're using social as a marketing channel, it really doesn't make sense to spend so much of your time being there live every day. It's just not a good use of time as a business owner, not to mention a lot of logistical difficulties like time zones. Right now, you're in Dubai. I'm in the UK. I'm usually based in the US. That's a, a huge, huge spread of time zones. And it would be really silly if you have a huge audience in America not to reach them just because you happen to be in the UK and you don't want to wake up at 3am uh, to tweet in the middle of the night. So I just don't think it's sound advice for a business using social media to promote themselves. Yeah, I don't want to get stuck on this too much, but what can go wrong potentially with scheduling? Is there anything to be concerned about that we should be aware of? Definitely. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that they can just set up a tool like Edgar, one of the other automated tools and just say, oh, great, social media is done now. I never have to look at that again. And that's really not going to work. Social media is also an engagement tool. And if you just have all of your updates scheduled and you never check in on them, you're probably not going to see a lot of growth or a lot of traffic from social media. But what I advise is use a scheduling tool to send the updates because that's kind of the grunt work. You know, there's no reason that you need to be typing it in and hitting the send button. Let software do that for you. Use software to send the updates, but you should be checking in, reading other people's updates, replying, seeing what people have replied to yours. That's the engagement in social media. That's how you spend your live time. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Edgar. I think it's fair to say it's been a pretty successful venture for you. I think you're at last count doing somewhere over $100,000 in recurring revenue per month. Let's get to grips a little bit with the marketing because I think that will be an interesting perhaps lesson for Traffic Jam listeners. What, aside from social media, which I sincerely hope you are using to promote Edgar, are you using and what's been successful for you? So successful for us has been uh, content marketing, both both via our own blog and channels like this. I love to do podcast interviews. Uh, we love to guest post on other blogs. That's actually been huge for Edgar. And we also do a lot of paid Facebook advertising. Okay. Have you also been doing webinars? I think I read that somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've... Um, We've actually just started experimenting with webinars for Edgar. We did a lot of uh, webinars for LKR social media, my, my social media training business. Well, perhaps we'll dig into some of those in just a moment. But I also want to ask you about the kind of the step up you got with your email list, because I think when you first launched Edgar, you did have a pretty established email list somewhere over, I think, 75,000 people, all of whom I expect were, you know, at least interested partially in social media. Do you think that you'd be in the same position kind of 11, 12 months on if you hadn't have had that list and what would be different right now? No way would I be in the same position. Uh, you know, starting a business with a list of 75,000 prospects is a pretty big shortcut in the beginning. Uh, of course, that shortcut, you know, took six years of, of work every day to create. Uh, but no, that, that was a huge advantage to Edgar being able to market to our existing list. So now we've grown a list for Edgar on its own as well. Uh, but I think a lot of people don't leverage the audience they already have enough. I, of course, a lot of people are starting from zero. But even if you have a personal following on Twitter, or maybe it's just an email list of your friends, uh, most people actually do a really bad job of letting people know what they offer. Uh, 
I have a friend that recently started a video production agency. He's actually based in San Diego. And he sent me an email when he first started just saying, hey, here, here's what I'm doing. I started a new business. Here's a brief overview. And I ended up holding my team retreat in San Diego about a month ago. And I thought, oh, I could get him to do some video footage of our team that we can use for recruiting. So all he did was just send an email saying, hey, I'm doing this. And and in this case, that was enough. And he, I just never would have known otherwise. So email your friends, you know, send out Twitter messages, put it on your Facebook, tell people about what you're doing. Yeah. And would you say it's fair to say that perhaps your closest connections are the ones that know least about what you do? <laughs> Definitely. I think, you know, I was telling you that I'm, I'm traveling here in the UK right now. And I think that's something that uh, English people are sort of famous for, right, is is being really shy about being self-promotional. Because, of course, no one wants to be that jerk, right? No one wants to be that person where it's like, oh, don't talk to him. He's always just trying to sell me his latest thing. But there's such a huge divide between being that obnoxious person that tries to sell you at the dinner table versus just telling your friends what's going on in your life and your business. Yeah, exactly. If you can just say, look, if you've got this problem, I can help you out. You're actually doing more good than you are being, uh, as you said, kind of slightly irritating or forthcoming with your sort of self-promotion. But yeah, I think it's definitely some of the best leads in this digital age of of Facebook advertising and email marketing lists and all of the other sort of intricate stuff is actually just talking about what you do day to day to the people that you're most closely connected with. Exactly. And I think people forget that every opportunity comes from a person. Every opportunity comes from either some sort of referral channel from someone you already know, or a human has to approach you to ask you about it. I think sometimes we get a little too strategic just looking at, okay, what sort of traffic building strategies versus talking to people and all sorts of amazing things that you wouldn't expect emerge from that. Well, let's go back to the email list conversation. What are you doing right now to grow your email list? Kind of what mechanisms, so to speak, have you got in play on meetedgar.com to grow this new list that you're now nurturing? So our biggest one that we are experimenting with is uh, having people request an invitation before they can join Edgar. So that's our call to action on our homepage right now. Um, We experiment with that a lot. So you might listen to this podcast and look at it and and see something different. Uh, But that's been very successful for us is doing the flow of request and invitation. And then after that, we have an email marketing sequence, getting people to sign up for Edgar. So that's huge. Uh, And just asking for email addresses on our blog, we have a lot more content marketing that's, that's in the works for the next six months. But those are the big things that we do now. Nice. And I'm guessing that that probably builds some anticipation for the product itself, right? It's almost like you can't get in if you wanted to, but oh, once you actually, you know, through that first gate, oh, I actually can get hold of this product if I want it, right? It's quite a nice sort of anticipation building marketing sequence you've got going there. It is, it is. And I think it also works because it's a very easy yes for people just saying, okay, I'm interested in getting an invitation. That's It's no commitment. You know you're not going to have to spend any money. You're not even saying, yes, I definitely want the software. Whereas signing up for a trial, it's great in that you get that instant access and you can check out the software right away. Uh, but Edgar, it requires a little bit of setup. So most people aren't sitting down and doing the whole setup the second they first sign up. So you run that risk of being like, okay, this looks interesting, but I, I don't have time to do this right now. So I don't know if I'm going to bother doing the trial. 
I'll, I'll do that later when I have more time. I know you've also been doing a bit of Facebook advertising. You mentioned that a moment ago. What's the most successful ad that you've ever run to promote Meet Edgar? Our most successful ad is a variation of new social media software. Maybe you want to look at it. <laughs> uh, it's really, really straightforward. Sometimes your advertising doesn't need to be so complicated. You know, Our best customer is someone who's actively interested in social media tools. They've probably tried out a few of the other tools. Maybe they like them in some ways, don't like them in others. And they're actively looking for a better solution. I know as a business owner, I love hearing about new tools. I, a Facebook ad got me the other day that was just like, here's a project management tool that, that I hadn't heard of before. So I checked it out because I like to look at them. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as that. Well, we all know that if we're checking out magazines and reviews, that the most popular posts and articles tend to be tool tips and tool recommendations, right? Everyone loves a good tool. But how long, Laura, do you think you can keep running that ad for? I don't think it's like an indefinite one, is it? How new can it be? I don't know. I think I'm definitely going to push the boundaries because I'm going to keep in mind that if someone hasn't heard of it before, it is new to them. And I'm going to push that for as long as I can. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> so what else have you got going on with Facebook ads? Aside from putting this ad out, which seems to be compelling enough to your audience, how else are you targeting people, be it targeting options? What's the funnel you're putting people through? Just sort of widen the net a little bit for us. Yeah. So we also do uh, retargeting on Facebook and we both direct that to people who have already visited our website. And we have separate campaigns for people who have requested the invitation, but haven't bought Edgar yet. So that's obviously a really juicy market for us. We know that they're interested. They're interested enough to give us their email address, but maybe they forgot about Edgar. Maybe they never opened up those follow-up emails that we sent them. I think that's what's so cool about Facebook ads is it just gives you another touch point. And I think that's definitely the future of advertising is not just reaching people through one channel, but being in their inbox and having banner ads via retargeting and having Facebook ads and maybe showing up in their Twitter feed where people are like, okay, I've heard from these guys <laughs> so many times. I'm interested. I'm, I'm going to actually do it now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all about being sort of channel agnostic is, mm -hmm. you know, it's understanding really who your audience is, where they're actually hanging out is less important because we've got the tools to reach those people in those places right now. So it allows us to kind of get back to what our core marketing message is. And then the tools are just a way to facilitate the message reaching those people, right? So it becomes a whole lot easier. You know, the way people use the internet, it's it's very rarely through a straight funnel. I think as marketers, we love this idea, okay, first they hit my homepage, and then they give me their email, and then they watch the webinar, and then they buy the initial offer. But really what happens is someone finds your homepage, and then they forget about you, and then they read a review a week later, and then they remember you, and then they still don't visit your page. But then the next day, they remember that they wanted to Google you, and then they find your Twitter account, and they follow you on Twitter. It's a very, very convoluted process and people are seeing all different touch points so we have this fantasy that we want the one clear funnel but people don't really research that way and people don't really buy that way so you need to be readily available on a lot of different channels and that's one place where social media becomes really valuable if you want to talk on twitter we can talk to you on twitter we have a facebook user group uh, that we use for our customers to ask questions and make feature requests just the more touch points the better yeah. And one of the places you've been getting a fair amount of coverage is in press. We look at your own personal website. We can see a whole bunch of logos up there on the homepage of prominent places you've appeared. What's been your secret to getting such good PR coverage for yourself personally? 
So it's interesting because we actually haven't gotten uh, traditional press for Edgar as in articles covering us, uh, but we have been able to get a good amount of mentions in uh, tool roundups. We've done really well where people will say, here's the 10 new social media tools. Another thing that's been hugely valuable is uh, it's called the YEC, the Young Entrepreneurs Council. They have this place where you can answer questions that journalists have asked to collect content uh, that's spread across a lot of the major websites. So we've appeared on um, Mashable and uh, entrepreneur.com and a lot of these other major websites through that YEC function. Nice. I guess another alternative to that would be something like Help a Reporter Out or My Blog You or a couple of other channels that are great for that. Are you using any outreach in your content promotion strategy or your PR strategy to get these mentions? Somewhat. Um, we actively solicit reviews, and those are mostly from our customers. So those are across a lot of little blogs. So those are not usually a huge traffic source on their own, but they just increase our backlinks, increase our search engine power, and you know whatever small audience is on that blog is seeing us. Uh, we also reach out to influencers both via email and via Twitter. And that's sort of similar to the Facebook ads where we say, hey, we're a new social media tool. You know, What I found doesn't work is you might have someone in mind that you think would love your tool and they'd be perfect, but they, they're either interested or they're not. You know, some, some people don't resonate with Edgar. Scott Stratton doesn't like the idea, <laughs> he's right? probably not your ideal target audience, right? <laughs> right. He's not for us. So even though he's a huge social media influencer, it would be such a waste of my time to follow up with him over and over again. So what we found is we just send out just very basic emails or often tweets saying, hey, here's a new social media tool. You know, we'd love for you to check it out. Let me know if you're interested. A lot of people aren't interested, but the people that do say, oh, hey, that does look kind of cool. Those are the people that, that we dive in further with. And that's worked really well. Well, let's talk a little bit about blogging and uh, perhaps some of the interesting observations I've made around your methodology, or at least what I can see of it. If I check out your personal website and your company website, I can see that you publish blog posts at very precise kind of weekly intervals. Mm. How important is kind of a regular and consistent publishing schedule to a blog success? I think a regular schedule is extremely important, both from your end and your audience's point of view. So from your point of view as a blogger, it blogging is difficult. Blogging takes a lot of work to maintain. And if you just have this vague idea like, I'm going to publish every so often, it's just not going to happen <laughs> in my experience. You need to treat it really seriously. You need to create an editorial calendar. Uh, a lot of bloggers decide maybe they're going to blog once a week and then it gets to be Friday and they have this panic that they haven't thought of anything. They need to write something. It's, it's like if the Today Show or one of these morning news shows showed up Wednesday morning and was like, oh no, we have to do a show again today? What are we going to do? That, that's sort of how most people act with their blog. So uh, I would recommend not doing that. I would recommend building out a library of topics and assigning them to dates. So even if you're writing last minute, if you know what you're writing about and you stick to it, you can usually turn an article out because it's obviously a topic that you know a lot about. 
Uh, and from your audience's point of view, they need to see, they need to be able to expect regularity. If you stop blogging for two months, people think that that you've died and that your blog doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, well, that's certainly been the case for me and certainly the case for podcasting. I think that being a almost a traditional media format mm. in the new age, like a radio show, people do expect it to be out at certain times and they'll soon let you know if you've missed a show. They'll be, right. uh, they'll be <laughs> sending you emails, oh, you know, where are you this week? Is everything okay? You know, how's your cat or, you know, what, what are you sick this week? What's going on? And people do come to expect in. I guess if you're doing a good job, that's a good sign that your content's having the effect that you want it to as well. Yeah, that's that's a real testament that people are emailing you saying, what happened? Where are you? Exactly. Well, the other observation I made on your personal website that I wanted to ask you about was the fact that you seem to have removed comments from posts. Why did you do that? So that was definitely a tough decision. And I'm not, I don't feel really strongly one way or the other that people should definitely do one or the other. For us, we just found that it was something time consuming that wasn't adding much value. And we actually do have comments on the Edgar blog, mostly because we really wanted to see what what sort of feedback we were getting because it's a newer blog, but we get very few comments there. So with the LKR blog, we got so few valuable comments. You have to spend so much time weeding through the spam. People use it as a customer service channel. So you have to make sure that you're reading all the comments and not ignoring anyone. It just, there wasn't really return on the time spent. Yeah. And there's the likes of copy blogger and such like who are turning it off because they feel that perhaps conversations are better served sometimes on social media. Do you find that's the case that a lot of people are kind of putting the conversation there and using blog commenting less as a tool? Yeah, I think a lot of conversations do happen on social. You know, copy blogger is interesting now because they remove their comments and then they remove their Facebook page, too. Uh I think maybe they tell people to interact on Google Plus now is is where they're kind of sending people last I checked. And I, I do think that you don't want to make it too hard to communicate with you. Like I was talking about earlier, you want to have a lot of different touch points. You want to make it easy for people. So I would say don't don't make it so hard for people to to talk about what you're writing. Yeah, it's like you're talking to people, but not open to hearing what people's response might be which is not particularly social hey (laughs) well let's end things kind of back where we started having cleared up that perhaps scheduling may not be the biggest sin in social media despite what scott thinks what are the best times to be scheduling our social media posts in your point of view um i would just schedule every few hours uh, you know anywhere from three to like six times a day um Again, depending on where your audience is in the world, and you don't have to freak out trying to cater to everyone. We generally run our posts during the day in the U.S., even though we have a good amount of customers around the world, the vast majority of our customers are still in the U.S. So you don't, a lot of people are like, how do I optimize and head every time zone? You can't. (laughs) Some people are awake when some people are asleep. So it's not something to worry so much about. I know we've written some blog posts on Edgar about how to look into the analytics of your various tools and see when posts are performing best. You do want to do that. You know, the data is there. There's no point in not checking out your Facebook analytics and your Twitter analytics to see when your audience is online and see when you're getting good engagement. But it's not something that you need to be constantly fine-tuning, trying to figure out if 403 or 407 is the better time to post. So your advice would be 
be consistent like you are with blog posting and post reasonably frequently per day, but don't get caught up too much in the numbers. Exactly. And that's why I do think it's important to use a tool. I would not advise someone to update social media five or six times a day if they weren't scheduling it out in advance because you're not going to have time to do anything else. Absolutely. Well, there you go, Scott. Maybe we'll send you this as a link so you can check it out because he seems to be glued to Twitter each and every hour of the day. But anyway, Laura, that's been absolutely fantastic. To you, the listener, if you want to get the show notes and all of the links mentioned in today's show by Laura, head on over to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 74. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number 74. And all that remains, Laura, is to thank you for coming on the show. Been an absolute blast. And I know you're in Cornwall right now enjoying sunny England. So I'm going to let you get back to your holiday. Thank you. So that was Laura Roder from meetedgar.com. And that pretty much rounds out another episode of Traffic Jam. We will, however, be back very, very soon with another show. And to ensure that you don't miss that episode, as soon as it's released, please subscribe via iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. The choice is yours. Trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes for iTunes and trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher for Stitcher. Now for a direct link to all of the bonuses that come with this episode, including a downloadable MP3, full transcript of today's session, plus a social media schedule for you to implement in your own business, go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 74, where of course you can also join in on the discussion for this episode. Now we end the show with a traffic jam as we always do. It's of course chosen by our guest today, Laura Roder, and she's picked the track Underdog by Spoon. So enjoy the traffic jam and I'll see you back here for another episode real soon. in the living room Your pipe and slippers set out for you I know you think that it ain't too far But I I hear a call of a lifetime ring Felt the need to get up for it Oh, you cut out the middle man Creep from the middle man You got no time for the messenger Got no regard for the thing that you don't That's why you will not survive I wanna forget how convention fits But can I get out from under it? I got it out of me It can't all be wedding cake It can't all be boiled away I try but I can't let go of it Can't let go of it Cause you don't talk to the water boy And there's so much you could learn But you don't wanna know You will not back up an inch of us That's why you will not survive 
tell you now It may not go over well Oh, it may not be thought of why No way that I spell it out But you won't hear from the messenger Though I don't know about something that you don't understand You got no fear of the underdog That's why you will not survive Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.